Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash, and today we're talking about single-family home investing, but not probably what you're thinking. I'm talking about doing it on a massive scale. If you remember back to the bottom of the real estate market back in February of 2012, Warren Buffett famously said that he'd go out and buy a few hundred thousand single-family homes if he had the ability to manage them. Well, one company that took him up on that advice was the Blackstone Group private equity firm. They aggressively went on a buying spree across the nation. A friend of mine, we'll call him Jerry, because that's his real name, acquired about 50 homes in the El Mirage suburb of Phoenix over the span of a couple of years. I'll give you an example of one of the homes that Jerry bought. He bought a home on West Valentine Street in El Mirage for just over $55,000. And that four-bedroom, two-bath home was just under 1,500 square feet. That comes to about $37 a square foot. When you consider the cost of construction at that time, he would have been paying at least half of the cost of replacing that building at over $70 a square foot. Today, it'd be about a third of the replacement cost for that particular home. He put a little over $5,000 in cosmetic repairs, and he rented it for about eight seventy-five dollars a month. I remember visiting that house, and I was in awe of what he was doing. Then one day, a couple of years later, out of the blue, a large private equity firm offered him a crazy number to buy the entire portfolio of rented, renovated properties. The sale price was a premium to the market at that time. But in retrospect, looking at it from today, it turned out even that price to be a bargain. And you guessed it, the Blackstone Group was the buyer. Over time, Blackstone went on to hire some of the best talent in the industry, and their real estate group grew from a fledgling startup size to over 450 professionals today. And in that time, they amassed about 50,000 single-family homes in 13 major markets. Now, when Blackstone came to the Phoenix market, they were on a buying frenzy. My friend Jerry couldn't believe how aggressive they were. They were vacuuming up homes faster than you could eat a cactus burger. It did have the effect of pushing prices up in the local market across the board. It also removed a lot of inventory from the market. The specter of higher sale prices enticed even more people to enter the buy, fix, and sell market, hoping to sell at a premium to a private equity firm because there were other players, not just Blackstone in the market. As the buying spree came to an end, most investors understood that private equity firms have a relatively short time horizon to make their money. They would want an exit within two to three years because that's just how private equity firms operate. And investors started to speculate that Blackstone would eventually start dumping properties back on the market in order to get their money out. And I remember sitting in on many open conversations in real estate investors associations about what would happen to the market when they sold. Now, I've had some direct firsthand experience with private equity firms back when I was in the high tech business. I got to learn from talking with principals in the process of attempting to acquire a division of IBM. The most valuable part that I got from that whole experience is I started to learn how they think, and it's different from most people. Now, in 2017, the secret of how they were going to unload these properties was revealed. Blackstone launched a new firm called Invitation Homes as a real estate investment trust. And that public offering made a 30% share of the REIT available to the public and raised $1.54 billion. Now, over time, Blackstone invested a total of about $10 billion into single-family homes. And in addition, they went out and took out debt against those homes, of which about a billion was in non-recourse debt from Fannie Mae. Now, typically, 
agency loans like Fannie Mae will allow the borrower to grow up to about 85% loan to value. So let's do the math and analyze how Blackstone might have been able to exit their position without flooding the market with inventory. In fact, they didn't even need to sell a single home. Now I'm going to speculate here. This is my math, it's not theirs, but I'm reverse engineering what I think they did. So they sold 30% of the company for $1.54 billion, which makes up that last 15% of $10 billion. So they basically sold the entire equity position, the remaining 85% they're holding in debt. So at this point, they have completely exited from a cash standpoint, meaning they have no cash tied up in the portfolio of 50,000 homes, and they're left holding 70% of the portfolio value. They only gave up 30% to the equity investors in the REIT. Pretty good deal. That's a very, very shrewd, very savvy way of putting the whole deal together. So the portfolio continues to generate cash flow to the REIT investors and to the Blackstone Group. Meanwhile, Blackstone's risk has been reduced to virtually zero. Now, understand that I didn't interview anyone at Blackstone or at Fannie Mae for this episode. These are strictly my own calculations. But because I know how private equity firms think, I'm almost positive this is exactly what they did. As you're thinking about different exit strategies for your business, maybe you can learn something from how the private equity firms operate. In the meantime, have a spectacular day, make some great things happen, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.